Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Horus Heretics. I'm William. And I'm Neil. And today we're covering Betrayer by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. So, this book uh, is about about the world eaters, sort of. Um, And the word bearers. And the word bearers. And... Um, and just like the last one where we had the iron fist and the iron hands, we have two, like, which are, were, to be fair, were even closer. This time we have two uh, legions beginning with W, um, just to, just, and I guess word and world look kind of the same on the page, which just, just to yeah. um, throw some more pitfalls into the path of the incompetent podcaster. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, at least these ones are like quite obviously different uh, yeah it's true it's true and, and moment, even like the um the setting is something that we've experienced before as well because it's it's after the um burning of calth isn't it that i can't remember the name of that book but it was about two or three books ago when yeah. the ultramarines were betrayed and we loved that book didn't we that was one of our favorites yeah yeah that, that was a good one um so this is like yeah this is sort of bringing us into this war in the in the ultramarines empire or whatever ultramar that's it ultramar um, yeah and uh so yeah we have the word beaters and the, you just have to remember they like books and torture and the world eaters just like like full-on violence yeah um, just killing just yeah, killing just... They, they they're not into torture they're not into any weird sort of mysticism it's just killing yeah so the world the world theaters have been like in a way quite prominent in the series at least sort of in the background as like you know they are held up as the most sort of berserk yeah ferocious um fighters and and you know we have seen them in some of the, the battles on this fan stuff like that and um, they're kind of and, uh, looked down upon a little bit because of their just their untamable desire to kill. Yeah, and and um, <laughs> all that all that being said, um, early on in this book, we find like even these guys find time to write a treatise. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was interesting. Um, which, you know, that has been that's something we know this many books in that these marines have an irrepressible desire to write treatises um, yeah to write like tiresome fucking uh screeds on <laughs> warfare and battle yeah i can't remember one oh, no, of this is yeah sorry this was just like, i think this was this is one of the quotes this is like right at the start it comes from Carnes. Uh, unpublished treatise the 18 weeks <laughs> couldn't find a publisher yeah <laughs> he's still sending it out he's still and he's still got hopes uh, his agent his agent is trying to like dampen those hopes down a little bit he's like this is going to be very this is going to be niche this is going to be very niche and um, we may need to fall back on amazon self-publishing <laughs> so uh, just just be aware that we may be i may be coming back to you requiring an extra couple of thousand quid in order to you know to pay for the first run of 200 copies 
Karn's got like a predatory publisher. He's <laughs> actually just exploiting. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Karn, Karn is like, Karn's like, can we can we meet in person? No, I don't think we can do that. No, I think. <laughs> I, I'm just like, uh, he sends him. He sends him the first issue. Sends the publisher sends Karn and he goes, well, Doc, Karn, you're you're published, mate. Well, you're a published author. Well done, you. I got you published. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, like, um, sorry, I, I found myself coming to a junction there. I was like, continue this publishing pattern for another five minutes, <laughs> or or go back to the story, and I, I'm trying to take the responsible choice. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Karn. We've we've had a bit about him before. He's a he's a world world eaters uh, captain. Guy. He's been in a bunch of times. Like yeah, he's he is the uh, Abaddon for the world eaters. He's like the number one person below Angron, the Primarch. And yeah. he has formed uh, an unlikely friendship with uh, our old mate, Argyll Tal, who is the man who has a demon in him, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I can't, to be quite honest with you, I, I mean, I recognise the name and uh, the demonic nature, but um, to be quite honest with you, I can't really remember which story he was in. But um, Do you remember the one... Um, he was sent into the eye, uh, the the warp storm. Um, Lorgar, his Primarch, just went. Well, somebody needs to go into it first, and I think it's going to be you. And he came back, and he came back immediately. But he'd spent years. In oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. But maybe yeah. Uh, so yeah. And then, and then um, Lorgar kept going back to his rooms, and um Argyltal kept on changing and he kept on becoming a just a bit more demony every conversation he had um yeah and so yeah anyway so he's so he's cutting about with Karn quite a bit and 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 you're introduced to this well obviously the title of the book because I think Karn becomes known as Karn the betrayer like in the in the in the war and um, so you so you're thinking right this is a full on uh world eaters book um, I was thinking, and and then it starts off with Orger and Magnus having a chat somewhere, and they're talking about um, Angron, the the Primarch of the World Eaters, and they're like, he's a bit of an embarrassment, isn't he? And, and <laughs> all this yeah. kind of chat. I I I, th- I just thought, God, the fucking nick of these people, because. Lorgar's there. He's got scripture written all over himself. <laughs> You've got Magnus, who is dolled up like a you know a, a pharaoh or something, and they're they're talking about Angron being a fucking embarrassment. <laughs> Guys, just take a look in the fucking mirror here. Um, but like, so I guess this gets into straight away. Like, we had problems with the last book. But we overall enjoyed it, right? But um, it certainly had a story of one kind or another. Whereas this, like, the phrase that came to mind for much of the first half of this book was um, a driver, a driverless car of content, was what I find <laughs> it to be like. Like, it just it didn't seem to have a, dir- you know, a direction or, like, 
yeah. it was just sort of stuff. Um, and then I think it did get better because themes emerged, but there was very little in the way of plot to the point that, like, exactly, it's kind of almost hard to reconstruct it in your memory. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just like it was sort of just like they're they're in this battle in um, in on a planet in Ultramar, uh, and. Well, I mean, there's a bit, there's a thing that happens, and I was like, how the hell did this happen? And I think I know looking back on it, but like, Angron ends up in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, did he accidentally teleport himself into the ground? Like, he missed. No, no. So, yeah, they they go to Armatura, which is the planet in Ultramar, which is like their main planet in Ultramar for producing weaponry and battle tanks and legions and soldiers and shit and the uh the word the world eaters fuck's sake the world eaters um like go down to the planet and are just raking about killing it everything um the ultramarines i i i agree i'm not i'm not a hundred percent sure on this but i think the problem is that um they like leave they detonate these buildings that are surrounding Angron and just bury him in their rubble. Right. Right, but he's yeah. like he's like a hundred meters down in rubble, and he starts having these like, oh God, really fucking stupid um, visions and hallucinations of of his past and stuff like that. Anyway, um, Lorgar gets you know. A, an itch in the warp (laughs) you know what i mean like he gets a bit of an inkling that something's bad he teleports down starts digging down to find um uh angron oh that's it that's it the um the magicians the librarians in the world eaters get together and form this thing called is it the commune the yeah something like that the community or the commune yeah And uh, they sort of have a conversation with uh, Angron and just say, like, yo, you need to dig your way out of this. Um, and he starts digging up and Lorgar starts digging down and they're in a sort of uh, depression. And then they get shot at by a titan, which is fun. They're, this bit is kind of quite good. But as you say, it seems completely devoid of 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 plot it's just like a little set piece yeah we have a a titan sort of standing on the edge of this crater which which has lorgar in it they blast him with their sun laser laser or whatever (laughs) um which lorgar is seems to manage to completely deflect with a shield um then they do it again which basically cooks lorgar yeah and then they shoot him again with just like some machine guns, which rip him up. And then they go, right, coup de gras, let's go and stand on this bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is like, it's a very funny way to kill a Primark. <laughs> like, so congrats to, the, to the, the pilot of that one. But they try and stand. And then that's, that's Angron's turn to just like come up from the rubble and using his bare hands manages to block uh the the foot of this titan he just yeah, he hold, it holds it up like yeah and Atlas-like. and this bit was it was a cool 
a cool bit. But like I say, it wasn't. It was just, uh, yeah, everything just felt without sort of structure. I could see this happening as like, you know, the in the last section of a book. You know yeah. that that somehow somehow shit was leading to to this between the brothers or something, but it's right at the start, and I'm like, well, I've read enough of these books to know that Primarchs aren't just killed like this, and yeah. I don't know why this is happening. I know, and it didn't. It was sort of devoid of like. I mean, it was cool. Like, there's no like, stakes to it, though, right? Like, there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't set up, it wasn't built up and like you know, if this was the culmination of a big thing about the relationship between Warger and Angron, um <laughs> but like I say, you're just like you're just you're just at one point you're like, Oh wait a minute, why is Angron on the ground? Like um yeah. at least I was. I was like, How's okay, I did I did um I, I did remember when you mentioned all that, like the Ultramarines collapsed in their buildings, but anyway, I, I somehow you know what I mean, like something like that, I feel like I feel like I should not be missing how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's on me. Maybe that's on me. Um, but, um, but yeah, so there... I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, to, to talk about this Titan stuff, like, there's a lot of quite... Well, I find quite tiresome stuff about, like, the crews of yeah. ships and Titans. And I know that, like, we often complain that, like, the Space Marines are both boring characters, but... Like this, I don't know. Like I wasn't really sure. Like I say, it sort of fed into that thing where it wasn't. It wasn't clear to me what this had, why this was part of the main story. It was just like, well, let's do, let's do a perspective of the Titan crew. You know what I mean? It just felt more yeah. like that. Like, I've, I've read, like in in this series of books and in other forty k books, there are there are a lot of like representations of of Titan crews and stuff and some some are boring and some are really good so like it is very possible to do a good one this was quite dry and 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 boring and uh, for my part could have been completely cut away from the story um, yeah and it would have it would have benefited or at least i think it would have benefited because i've i mean maybe i'm cutting to the end here but i've got no idea what's happening with this book like what what you said about the driverless car of content continues from the start through to at least the end of this episode and into what we'll cover next episode i don't know it's like you, we're we're about halfway through by the end of this episode and i don't know where we're going yeah um like i totally agree in terms of plot however like i actually i quite liked some of the the themes that emerged um, but it wasn't it wasn't plot it was more just um this was the kind of uh the the character of the the world eaters being revealed you know across the across the the first half of this book and i thought it was that is the thing about this book i quite enjoyed and um, yeah. because because like this like we said they basically just put me portrayed as 100 percent violent barbarians you know um and they all all they want to do is just be dropped into the middle of a massive war and just slaughter everyone Um, i yeah i i agree actually that's a good point to to raise is that there are bits where they are just berserk and that do we have we said before they've all got like pain implants in their brains to make them crazy 
Yeah, I think we have. Yeah, because yeah. we call it the butcher's nails, and I'm sure one of the short stories we yeah uh, covered before was called was called butcher's nails. And when uh, when it, what they say the nails are singing or the nails have me or something like that, it, they are boring, and um, I I'm just not interested in reading any more about that. But you're right, um, Angron is sort of fleshed out a bit here and is made a bit of a pathetic and sad character and Karn too is shown to be somewhat more interesting than he has been sort of portrayed in the past but uh, this is maybe where we can get to a little bit of that is um, Angron holds up this titan's foot and uh, this other uh, enemy titan comes up from behind it and anyway they destroy it and that's all fine um but we we learn that like angron um is just like says to lorgar um he like he doesn't give him any gratitude for helping save him or for even trying and then karn says to his primarch like no this is wrong you need to recognize and bloody thank him yeah. and um Sort of, he's sort of laughed at by Angron. He, he, Angron just runs away, runs away, and just goes, "Ah, oh, that's a that's a good joke." Anyway, see you later. <laughs> and Karn and um, Argotal have a conversation, just like your Primarch's fucking broken, like he's fucked. And Karn yeah. Karn admits that he knows it, and says that they they have no they have no love for uh, their Primarch. They really don't care for him in any way um they never felt that connection that all the other legions have towards their primarch and th they willfully put these butcher's nails in their own heads in order to like feel some sort of kinship because uh, they had been implanted in angron and yeah. uh, they thought well we'll take them and we'll feel you know we'll have that sort of legion gimmick that we all share and that we all feel and they find that they that didn't help you know they just sort of brutalized themselves for absolutely nothing and they're all just sitting there going god i wish i was in the legion where we just had to dress up like egyptians ancient egyptians <laughs> um, <laughs> but like yeah uh, uh, to be honest like yeah i find this like actually pretty interesting like and, and that yeah that bit you just talked about there where, where Karn sort of um, chastises him for not thanking um, Orgar is like uh, that's th that runs through this. They're actually kind of embarrassed, yeah. Like by the you know the like and the that their legion doesn't really like you know doesn't really plan stuff uh -huh. or and all this or have a sort of um, thoughtful approach to their their. Um, their battles, it, it, they just charge in basically, and this is so. This is this comes up. I mean, this is going back to one of the sort of crew perspectives, and this is um, uh, a woman called Latara, I think, who's basically the commander of a one of the world eaters ships, um, and uh, they get boarded um, by a. Well, they're chasing down an ultramarine ship. Um, and then the, the ship sort of turns around and comes towards them and, and they board 
they boarded him and she sort of is trying to summon the detachment of like there's a Warriors detachment of sort of elite world eaters supposed to be on her ship, but they've against orders they've like they've jumped down to to the surface because they yeah. just want a piece of the action basically. Um, so there's like there's lots of little bits like this where they're talking about um, some of them anyway are sort of talking about you know it's just, their legions just embarrassing in this way basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, um. Um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there, but um, yeah, so that's if, if you re- if you remember that up on um, wh- whenever she finds the those like elite troops gone, she wakes up this detachment of thirteen dreadnoughts who oh, are yeah. too crazy to ever leave the ship. <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. Now, now the book's starting. And, and she's then, like, we're fighting the Emperor now, by the way. You guys have been yeah. asleep. <laughs> yeah. like, That's weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lork, the head of them, he just goes, we're what? Uh, and he just goes, a fucking Angron again, that fucking cunt. And, uh, but then it, it goes into like this interesting little backstory about how... Um, when Angron met the Emperor, the Emperor said, right, you're one of my sons. You will lead this detachment of um, of Space Marines. Called uh, They're called um, a legion. They're what they call the Dusk Raiders or something like that before the World Leaders. Anyway, uh, Angron just goes, uh, actually, no, I'm not interested. Because he just <laughs> um, led a rebellion on his home planet. Um, they were sort of, I think we've talked about this before, they were sort of in fighting pits and they all had these um, butcher's nails implanted in order to make them better warriors. Anyway, he led a rebellion against their masters and all he wanted to do was just die with the the survivors of this rebellion. But the emperor didn't give him a choice and, you know, gave him this legion. And, you know, the, so he is like one amongst the Primarchs who has got no love for the emperor whatsoever and doesn't really want to be doing it and he um had a lehman russ sent um by the emperor to like talk to him and just say word has reached us of you just like butchering all of these uh survivors and all all of these like people that shouldn't be dead now because of you and there's an interesting back and forth um because angron says that like yeah he kills innocence he kills everyone because orders will come from the emperor to kill completely innocent people who just want to be left alone and i do that and somehow that's me being loyal i kill somebody who you know the emperor hasn't ordered me to to kill and somehow i'm you know a traitor none of this is right the emperor is just a a tyrant he calls him a tyrant and a madman who takes slaves, who kills innocents, um, and so long as he orders it, Lehman Russ, you think he's somehow good and worthy, but he's not. And so Angrod just says, like, we kill because we're good at it and we enjoy it. So we'll kill anyone. And if the Emperor has a problem with that, well, fuck him. And yeah. they have a big fight. And actually, there is a battle between the, the legions which hasn't really been brought up before. And so obviously the, a bit of killing has happened between Space Marines before. 
Well, that, yeah, this is it because like we talked about this battle, and, and you can only assume that it was a little proper guns and swords battle, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't sort of explicitly say like deaths and you know like yeah um, true. But like I assume, but they basically they both claim they won this fight. Um, but uh, this like the stuff I, I like actually like, I thought some stuff from Angron here was 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 really quite interesting and like. Yeah, um, his so he, like and 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 it was giving me an idea of like a an alternative like story of rebellion you could have here where like uh-huh. with Angron right like and as a sort of um, like Satan from Paradise Lost kind of figure you know it's, it's almost <laughs> like like you know he's, he's like fallen to but there's a, there's a sort of like tragic like heroism to the, the stuff he's coming out with here and saying yeah. like you know you, you're just an enslaver of people and i know i've done wrong but ultimately you're the one that's you know you're the one that's caused all this and, and um he, he says and, about himself like um um i do this because like the butcher's nails make me mad if if i didn't have this then maybe i would take the time to think about what i'm actually doing and if that was the case, then you'd all be sorry because I wouldn't be following this fucking uh, psychopath of an emperor. Yeah, and and there's, like, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's there's a, just a lot of stuff you could do with that. Yeah, I just thought like that sort of to me like that would have been like because Horus, right? Like we've we've complained about the character of Horus being a kind of weird void mm. uh, before, like at the heart of the story, and like. Horus is kind of like, I find this a much more compelling. Like, if, if Angron was the leader of the rebellion, for, for reasons like what he states here, I feel like that would be a much more compelling. Because Horus is like, like he's he's already, he is the most vaunted, you know, most held up the highest of all the Primarchs anyway. And, and I guess the story with him is like, just his ambitions pushed him that bit further. But somehow that, somehow... I feel like the story of Angon could have been much more compelling. You know, the sort of shunned, um, enslaved, yeah, um, guy who's like he has no. I don't know. It's just like a, it, it's just sort of on a path of destruction rather than a path of self-aggrandizement. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I just like it. Sort of suggested to me. Um, an alternative way this obviously I'm not saying they could have written that story because obviously the war was was in place and you can't defy the lore. But um but we can we can critique the lore. And we can critique the lore, yes. Because um, uh, a spoiler alert coming up, what happens to Angron is that he becomes a demon prince monster, which just allows <laughs> him to destroy more. Um which I, I guess if you think about, you know, a, a story coming up with him where he gets to a crossroads where he makes a decision yeah sure demon prince fine but the alternative way as it seems to be the case with pretty much all of these books is so much more interesting and varied and um there is really only one path for angron once you take him down the you know lord of destruction um there would be any number of really interesting paths if you took him down the sort of um kind of what would you what would you say like rebel route 
um, yeah. where he is equally like he's not a, a, he's a sympathetic character but he's not like a, a hero he's equally yeah. destructive he's equally hateful but yeah. the, there is more subtlety um, and, and and frankly more stories that you could tell isn't there like there, yeah. there's just so much more of a varied palette that you can play with if you were yeah. to have him like rebel and um go down that route yeah um you could see you could see yeah like i say you could see an alternative dimension where there's, a, there's quite a different sort of rebellion that's pretty interesting there but we, we're dealing with the heresy we've got not the heresy <laughs> we, we, we could we could come up with a better heresy <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, well, let's not get into our alternative timeline. Um, but um, so yeah, you got the. I mean, the the word, like in some ways, this book sort of was almost even to like the world eaters up from I have sort of been depicted as like the worst, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like they they will like they're all violent, but these guys are the most violent and like the yeah. the most not giving a shit about slaughtering. Um, innocent people and, and and all sorts of stuff like, but in, in sometimes in this book they almost almost sort of depict them as kind of like a bit more like honourable or maybe not that's not anywhere but less depraved anyway than they, yeah they they have their own sense of of right and wrong I suppose like they aren't just beasts and yes. that is that is a useful thing and and the the fact that they like. I can I can honestly believe that if a like a legion hates their Primarch, um, I suppose like they they aren't alone in that. They they have the Night Lords um, as well. They don't like their Primarch, but if they are sort of embarrassed and ashamed by Angron and by what they do, I can kind of see them. Just being like, right, we're on our own. Uh, we, what we do is our own thing, and we yeah. we can't really engage with other um, legions and other primarchs because they that will make us feel bad. And so we we'll just like cut ourselves off, and and um, whatever you say about us is true. You know, whatever, whatever the fuck. I can sort of believe that. Um, and that again comes down. That comes down to Angron's fault, um, you know. So yeah, like yeah, yeah, and they like with when it comes to the word bearers, they get into a few arguments with them about things like, like hey, all these all these wounded enemies, we'd like to just kill them all, and the word bearers are like, no, 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 we'd like to attach them to the front of our tanks, um, and, <laughs> and so they get into some debates like that, um, and and there, so we get some stuff coming out from the word bearers. Oh god, the, the the word bearers talking about the symphony of the warp. We haven't mentioned that, and I, I that's as much as I plan to mention it because <laughs> some, some fucking doggerel written in this shite. Just the, you know, like the screams of the innocents bring forth changes to the melody. Uh, uh, no, no, I don't want to read any more of that, please. Oh, yeah, I have some funny quotes, but anyway, just so while, while we're on the word bearers, like, um. So obviously we kind of know what they're about, but uh, this, this was a, I thought this was a funny line. So like, I, I don't even know exactly what the setting for this was. It's in some word bearers context. And it's, <laughs> um, um, it's like his brother, blah, 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 turned from the book he was re- reading on a raised plinth 
its thick cover slapped closed. Neither brother, neither brother was foolish enough to believe the peach-colored leather binding was from a wholesome source. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought the phrasing of that was very funny. Um, yeah, uh, and there is Wait, some. There, there was a, a, a little bit of a depressing lack of of word bearerism. Yeah, wasn't there it, like? It was quite a background some, thing, yeah. Yeah, I wanted some sermons or like some real meanie, you know, like some real like priest-like figure or like a high bishop of the word bearers or something. Argyltal yeah. seems too grounded and too demony. Um, <laughs> and even Lorgar didn't seem like, I suppose Lorgar was the chief, you know, whinger about the symphony of the warp. And I didn't like that, so... Uh, but just something more. Uh, do you remember, remember the guys with the hands that were on fire? Maybe they yeah. maybe they could come come up and see if things for us. But no, there's <laughs> not enough. Um, so yeah, I think we, we we sorry. This is again. I don't think this conversation will be or needs to be in any kind of order because the book wasn't really like that, um, or it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't think. But the. Uh, so you talked about the the um, librarians in the in the world eaters. Mm. Right? So basically, like, there's a thing where they they uh, they tried to put the butchers' nails in the like you know the psychically capable members of their um, of their legion, but it just like went wrong every time they tried to do it. And they so there was <laughs> um, so yeah, they lost the ability to control their psychic talents. So there's one time they did it, um, and says, uh, and a warrior was lost to the nails in his very first battle after implantation, and he immolated three squads when he couldn't cease projecting witch lightning from his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was funny. He's like, I can't stop. I can't. It's not my fault. I mean, witch lightning, whatever witch lightning exactly is, but um, it's a fire from his eyes. I found that weirdly humorous. Um, and then others had just several others had just burst into combusted in flaming gore. So it didn't go well. And they um, then they stopped putting the implants in them, but they kind of were like ostracized. Because yeah, of that. They, they're kind of like there's they have their uses, but they're kept off to the side. They're not they don't like feast and 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 uh, celebrate together. And they have been sort of whittled down in number like there are only some of them left, like a handful of them left. And whenever they die, they're not like new ones aren't being trained up or anything. So they they, they scorn them. They, they think that like witches are are somehow um, less noble because they, you know, they can, they don't fight in the same way and stuff. But you're right, like, we're talking about this in divorced little packages of, well, this this happened with the Witchers and this happened with um, Argyltal and this happened with um, Angron. But that's how the book is. That I don't know what the plot is. Like, the, so the, they... They, at the end of the, the section that we're getting to now, they basically say they are going to try and engulf all of Ultramar in a warp storm. They're going to bring Ultramar into the warp via lots of painful killing, I think. Yeah, because um, this, this goes back to, I think, that, that book you were referring to before we enjoyed where 
they would remember they did, did like a big ritual yeah at the end of it so this is sort of part of that effort isn't it they're just yeah. kind of trying to um uh it like in in what's the word in flame ultramar in this warp storm basically um and uh yeah so <laughs> it does seem to be just yeah lots of killing will help with that um <laughs> But um, that's that that was really the conversation between Oracle Tal and Karn at the end of this section. They sort of said, right, this is what's happening. The so the previous we're about halfway through the book. The previous disconnected plot didn't really give any impression that that was the case. In, ter- in terms of the central plot, all that really happens is this battle on yeah. various, various different things happen around this battle, but it's just this battle on Armadura, and that's that's kind of it. And then different things connected to that. You know, you've got these space battle elements of that going, you've got Titans going around, um, but none of it seemed to, a lot of it didn't really seem to connect up. You know, it was just different facets of this battle. You've got uh, Lorger being half-melted and <laughs> stood on while he protects Angron or gets him out of a hole, um, but yeah, and and you know, there's bits where different characters are speaking to each other, but it doesn't. There's, there's not really much of it. I mean, the only like the only like I can say the only here, really here and sort of central thing that came through to me was this theme about the the um the world eaters being kind of ashamed of their primarch and ashamed of themselves, really, you know, and um and and, and like you said, they're kind of like almost like being in the heresy doesn't really make a difference for them because they just kind of. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they weren't yeah. really, they were kind of off in their own thing as well. And, and that's like, actually also ties in with the the librarians because, yeah, as as much as they were kind of ostracized and stuff, at the same time, um, as you said, the world eaters pretty much just ignored the, the Council of Nikea. I can, I didn't think yeah, that was right. Really right. So, um, so they didn't get They so. said like it just sort of passed over their heads that that it was something that the world, the world eaters were never going to take any notice of anyway. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, I suppose you're right. Like, if we if we treat this book just more as a kind of character study of the Legion itself, um, then maybe the second half, maybe that will really make things fall into place and make the book sort of more understandable. Yeah. Um, because yeah, the it it doesn't really matter about the plot itself. It's just about, um, let's give some let's give some time and explain what's going on with the the world leaders yeah um, I, I think that's basically it but it could have been i mean it could have been done more efficiently by just cutting down the number of perspectives yeah well I, I, I mean we'll get to the end point here the, by some sort of warp trickery uh erebus has transported himself onto the F- fidelitas legs and um he you know like like all sort of um aliens that have landed on earth or, or you know like humans that have been transported around in time he just goes what date is it what you know what day is it who's the president you know that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> and uh some like serfs give him the date and he's like oh, okay that's only only a couple of weeks since i was on calf that's fine no problem at all mm-hmm. and uh then he he's joined the mix and he's all always a bit of a wrong and so uh we'll see what uh erebus brings to this tale in the next two weeks
Yeah, and like this little bit, like yeah, because so this chapter where it sort of it doesn't say at the start of the chapter, it's just Erebus. It just talks about a chaplain appears, and, and then at the end, it's like oh, it's Erebus, and it's kind of yeah, a reveal thing. And like I was thinking, oh, maybe that has an impact if you were like reading these books in the original, you know, um, like when they were released, you know, like because it would have been I don't know when. Erebus last had a major role, but like because we were reading them like one after the other, I was like, "Oh, it's Erebus again," you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't see him that long ago, you know. Like, um, so I don't know, maybe that it doesn't work the way we're reading it, but uh, but there he is. Erebus is involved, so yeah, so interesting stuff. So that's it. We will be back in two weeks. Oh, I guess we should mention that um, uh, Will's mic is not great and we know that but um we're gonna to have to put up with that for uh, a few weeks i think just because uh, will is back gallivanting around europe um, yeah just, yeah. just uh, traipsing around having good times i didn't bring my mic because last time i did that my previous mic got broken but been with traveling across so um yeah sorry about that but it'll be back to normal fairly soon in podcast uh in the podcast timeline, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll be back with part two of this book in the usual schedule. And then we're, we're, we're talking about doing some, uh, what would be the word? Some freestyling for a couple of episodes. Yeah, so uh, th- th- there's a lot coming up. There's holidays and uh, I'm getting married. So we're going to be taking a little break from um, the actual horse heresy timeline so that we can uh take some time off but we'll we'll fill those gaps you won't be without podcasts we'll fill those gaps with some freestyle chatting episodes uh we've already killed corn the blood god so um we could do something around that if anyone has any ideas or we could like talk about a game or we could talk about some of the like youtube animations or we could just talk shit for a little while if anybody has got any ideas would be all ears because we haven't really thought about this yet so i mean the, the key is that we don't have to read a novel to do it as well. <laughs> yes that is key um <laughs> it, we'll do anything that doesn't require preparation <laughs> those are your restraints so let us know at horusheretics at gmail.com if you have any thoughts uh because <laughs> frankly we don't um <laughs> And yeah, so everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back to finish off Betrayer by Aaron Dembski Biden in two weeks' time. So yeah, I'm um, not writing this one off yet. I think I feel like it's, it's could could have a second half comeback. Well, one thing that's going for it is that it's short, and <laughs> um, we haven't been able to say that for a little while, and yeah. um, this uh, I'm enjoying its brevity yes yeah all right cool cool well uh thanks will and speak to you in two weeks cool speak to you soon bye